Well, today, as we, uh, we're kind of just walking through our Christmas Advent season, and uh, last week, uh, uh, of course, we began, and today I want us to focus on, on peace. Uh, next week, we'll look at joy, um, and then we'll uh, cl- conclude with love, and then get to Christmas uh, Eve service. But uh, today, I want us to think about peace. What is peace? And why do we need it so bad? You know, I, I, you ever watch any kind of uh, beauty contest? I haven't done this in years, but I just remember when, when uh, like Miss America would come across and they'd ask the question, what is it you really, you know, want? And they'd always say, oh, world peace. And I'm thinking, do you even know what you're talking about? Because there's not been peace in our world in a long time. There's always a war going on somewhere, someplace. I found this, though, this, this last week about uh, Finland. Uh, anybody from Finland? Okay, no, not surprised. But Finland has a declaration of Christmas peace every year. It's been something happening for, for, uh, since the 1300s, where they all gather in a particular town uh, of Turku, uh, T-U-R-K-U, uh, where they have a declaration of peace, an annual tradition. And I looked it up, it's legit. They've got YouTube videos of, of everybody gathering in the, in the community. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that this year, but they were all just bunched up, thousands of people, waiting to hear from a government official who comes out and de- uh, declares that uh, uh, from the balcony of a historic mansion, the old Great Square, they broadcast on radio, television, live stream it through the internet, and the entire country listens to this declaration of peace. The declaration of peace serves as a reminder and encouragement to spend the holiday in harmony. And they actually write in there something about deterring crime by if you uh, commit any crime during this season... The, the fines will be doubled. And I thought, wow, that, what a deterrent uh, to uh, if I was going to commit a crime. Harsher penalties, and then they wish everyone a peaceful and merry Christmas. And I think, man, maybe we ought to just do that in this country. Call everybody together and just say, all right, right now, let's just, let's just declare peace for our nation. No more division for this season. Uh, no more backbiting. Uh, no more wars. No more fighting. And, uh, and if you commit a crime... Well, we'll just lock you up forever or something. I don't know. The dark days of the first century, as we step into the Christmas story in, in the New Testament, you've got to realize it wasn't days of peace. It wasn't peaceful for the Jewish people. It really wasn't peaceful for anybody. And, and there had been many years of, of troubles and, and torment. Under Roman, uh, Roman law, the Jews desperately wanted peace. And so I want us to look at Luke chapter 2 briefly today, and I'm going to get to a few other places. But in Luke chapter 2, in verse 8, oh, the story of the lowly shepherds. You know, the shepherds that nobody cares about. They're, they smell funny, and they, and they stay outside of the, the community. And it was here where the first announcement that, that peace was coming, it came to them. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, it says, In the same region where these shepherds were out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, for unto you is, uh, for under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. 
Verse 13, and suddenly there was an angel uh, multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Peace is what this baby brings. This child that they were to leave the, the, the sheep and to go over in, in the city of David and see, this, this baby is bringing peace. Now, if you were a Jewish believer at that time, you would realize many would come and say there was peace. Before they were uh, uh, captured and sent into exile, there were many prophets coming along, false prophets, I will say, that would say, peace, there is so much peace, when there was no peace. Both in the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah, they would uh, uh, ridicule them uh, by saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace, they're lying, there is no peace. Because without God, without a proper relationship with God, Without God working through your life in your community, there will be no peace. It doesn't matter what politicians say. It doesn't matter what community uh, leaders say. There is no peace without God. It may be trite today, but I want us to think about this. N-O, God, equals N-O, peace. Perhaps you've seen that on a bumper sticker. No God, no peace. That's what the scriptures tell us as well. In the Old Testament, when God had uh, vacated them and 400 years of silence, there was no peace. And even uh, false prophets would come along and say there was peace. There was no peace. And now angels are proclaiming to these shepherds, here is your peace. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. Alienated from who? From the God of peace. There's no peace in a life apart from the peace of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, remember that you who were at one time separated from Christ, okay, so that gives us a perspective, we're separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, that's where people were and that's where we are without Jesus, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is what it's like to have no God and therefore no peace. We're alienated from him. We have no hope. We have no uh, uh, connection to Jesus or, or the Father and we're without God. Hear the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 32 who gives you the perspective of what it's like to, to not have God in your life. In verse uh, 1 of chapter 32 of Psalm, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. Strength was dried up as the, by the heat of the summer. This is what it's like to be without peace, without the forgiveness of God in your life. All your strength is zapped. You have nothing to live on. There is no peace internal. But verse 5 in Psalm 32 says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. When you keep silent and separated from God, there is no peace. 
You may have moments of, of perspective. You say, well, I'm okay with God. God, I can live uh, like this alone. But life will happen. Difficulties will come. And the sin within will boil over. And you will not find contentment nor peace. But when you confess it, when God draws you close, when he forgives your iniquity, covers all your transgressions, there is peace. Without God, when there's no God, there is no peace. When we talk about peace, you need to start with the peace with God versus just the peace from or of God. The reason so many are looking for the peace in the world is because there's so much chaos. But the problem is God is not obligated to give us peace in our world until he gives peace with him and us personally. That we need a peace with God before we ever seek the peace of God in our world. You realize that every one of us, apart from the blood of Christ, is at enmity towards God. We, we, we hate him. We live in our own authority and our own desires and, and, and we're so selfish and, and, and self-righteous and God is separated from us. We're alienated. So therefore, to bring that connection, we need the peace uh, with God. And there's only one way to find peace with God. And this is where the Christmas promise comes in. Why do we talk about peace at Christmas? Well, first off, the, the angel spoke of it uh, there to the shepherds. But back in the Old Testament, there was a promise of peace that was going to come. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Perhaps you've heard it. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. It goes on, it says, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. Of the throne of David over, the king, over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. There is a prince of peace, but the peace first is not for the, the nation of Israel. The peace is not for, for governments or, or, or places or people. The peace is for you and your soul between a personal Savior. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 tells me that peace is not a perspective. It is not a, a place or, or a feeling. Peace is a person. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 says, For he himself is our peace. If we're going to have peace with God, we have to have Christ in our lives. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1, I know I'm throwing out a lot of scripture, but I want to kind of weave these together today to, to give you an understanding of no God, no peace. We need peace with God. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, there may be people sitting in this room or maybe watching at home or, or even at some other time, they're scrolling along Facebook and they happen to see the shared post of the video today where they're listening going, what is this peace with God? Perhaps even on our new YouTube channel, we're capturing these videos to make it more accessible to people, easier to, to find. We're putting our messages on YouTube, on the West Lynchburg uh, YouTube page so they can go back and see that and we're, we're promoting those. People will come across and go, what do you mean we need the peace of Christ. Listen to me. We are separated from 
the peace of Christ when we do not surrender our souls and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. If you think you'll make it through this world and go on to the next without the forgiveness of Jesus and be at peace, listen to me, uh, as someone has, has rightly noted, your best life now, yes, this will be your best life now if you don't have Jesus in your life. Because the best life is to come when you have the forgiveness of Jesus. We have peace with God, but only one way, through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if there is no God in our life, we have no peace. We need peace with God, and this is just basically surrendering our life to Jesus, trusting in what he has done on our behalf. This baby who came in the manger, how sweet that is, but he had a purpose when he was in that manger. He was coming in the lowly places so that he would uh, uh, live out the humanity that you and I were unable to do in a sinless fashion. He lived it out sinlessly, and, but his pursuit was to die on a cross on our behalf. He who had no sin became sin so that those who were full of sin could be forgiven and given holiness. So if we have the peace of God, or peace with God, we can have the peace of God. This is where we'll change the phrase. To know God is to know peace. The K-N-O-W, when you know God and you're growing in that relationship, when you have the covering of the Lamb of God on your behalf, in Jesus, then you can truly know peace. And this is where not only do we have the peace with God, we have the peace of God. You know, God does not promise that our lives will be lacking challenges. I think one of the misnomers of the gospel presentation so often is, if you'll just accept Jesus, if you'll just, you, just trust him, you'll be baptized, your life will be great and perfect, you won't have any more problems. I hope someone didn't say that to you when you came to Christ, because you would have been greatly disappointed pretty early on. At no time does Jesus ever promise his disciples in the New Testament, hey, follow me, it'll all be perfect. He actually warned them. They persecuted me, they're going to do the same thing for you. They're going to come after you. Here's the difference, though. When they come after you, when you realize you have an eternal home with him, a peaceful place, that the days are just like a mist, as James says. This is going to be so brief. It may be challenging. It may be painful. But my peace does not come from the external. It comes from the internal satisfaction of a relationship with Jesus. That's why all hell can break loose in your life, and you can still be a person of peace. Some of you testified that through your own lives. I've watched you even since I've been here. Some challenges have come, and you are content knowing that Jesus has you in his plan. We need the peace of God. God doesn't promise that our lives will be absent of difficulty. In, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. First off, in me represents a rest. See, we abide in him. We can rest in him. And then have peace, recognizing that in this world, we're going to have tribulation. But we can rejoice because it says, take heart, I have overcome the world. Through our biggest tribulations, we can rest, recognizing and rejoicing that he has overcome the world. This is where our peace comes from. The peace of God guards and guides us. I don't know what challenges you're going through today. 
I know some have, uh, we, a young lady's going to have a surgery on Tuesday. We've had some who just recently had some surgeries. Some who, who've got some other challenges, economic, financial uh, challenges. They have, they have some job challenges coming up in the new year. And it, and it just seems to be chaotic and the ground is shaking. If the ground that you're standing on is the things that you've put around yourself. But if the ground is Christ and he is the foundation by which we stand, you will not shake. You will have peace that, that guards your heart and your mind and will guide you in the direction you are to go. In Philippians chapter 4, wonderfully read just a few moments ago, I hope you were paying attention. Do not be anxious about anything. Let me just pause for a second. How many of you have ever been anxious about anything? So, so Paul's not only just writing to me, he's writing to you too. And he doesn't say, do not be anxious about some of those things. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Paul writes this while he's in prison, chained, both arms, to Praetorian guards, the high elite guards. They were watching him. They could chain his arms and his legs, but they couldn't refrain his mouth from moving. And as he's dictating this letter that's being written, he's saying, don't worry about anything. God is in control. Rather than worrying, which, by the way, how many of you believe in meditation? You're like, we're not Eastern Hindu. All right? So in a Hindu culture, what do they do? They, they sit back and they meditate, mm, and the whole goal is to empty their mind. Christian meditation is completely different. But let me pause before I get to the Christian. This is what you do if you're not Hindu. If you think about the negative side of life all the time and repeat it over and over and over again, guess what you're doing? You're meditating. You're thinking about something over and over again, but you're not thinking of the good. You're thinking of the bad. Any of you worriers here? Oh, I mean, you worry so much, you come up with new things to worry about that haven't even happened yet. You're like... Well, if this happens, then that will happen, then that will happen. Oh, and you've already raced 10 years in advance, and you've, you've destroyed your life thinking, oh, all these bad things will happen. And then all of a sudden, somebody comes and says one thing to you, and it obliterates all that negative because, oh, it's not as bad as I thought. Uh, years ago, I'd read a letter, uh, or uh, an illustration, I guess it was true, some parents were telling about it. The, a college uh, student was writing mom and dad, saying, hey, I'll be at home at Christmas, but I just want you to know, you, you might see something different. I, I'm growing a little bit here in the front, and this is a female writing. I'm growing here in the front, and, and uh, you know, and I've, I've done some really bad things, and, and it's just, I don't know where my life's going to go, and all, you know, she just writes all these awful things, and then she says, near the end, she goes, thank you for reading through my exercise for an English class, but I did want you to know I failed two classes this semester, so I hope everything will be okay when I come home. Basically, what do they do? Let me give you all these bad scenarios. The parents' minds are just exploding, going, oh, no, this is awful. What's going to happen? And they're thinking 10 years in advance. And then they get to the end and realize that none of it was true. And then they, she failed. And what was she trying to do? Hey, let me say how awful it could be, but it's not. All I did was fail two classes. It's all perspective. Negative meditation is what captures our soul. And Paul speaks against that. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything he goes on, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I can just imagine Paul being changed to these praetorian guard, uh, just saying, don't worry about anything. You know what I do? I just pray. 
I just give it all to God, and I'm thankful I have the ability and the, and the opportunity to pray to a God who will hear my prayers. Even in the challenges of life, we have a voice and a heart that can speak to a heavenly Father who has big ears to hear your heart. He already knows what you're going to say. He already knows the challenges you're in. But it is good for the child to speak to the heavenly Father so that you can find comfort for your souls. What happens when we acknowledge that we don't need to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, supplication, asking of him, with a thankful heart, letting our request be made known to God? Verse 7 tells us in Philippians 4, and the peace of God fills our soul, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Do you, I love that phrase. I'm so thankful God put that in there for, for me. Perhaps it's there for you as well. You mean I can have the peace of God without the explanation of God in all things? Yes. God is never obligated to explain all of his will to you, but he has promised to give you peace in the seriousness of your life. I can have the peace of God that surpasses all my understanding. I don't have to understand it. As long as God does, I can be content. There was a time in your life when you were under the age of 10 where you didn't understand a lot of things. But you must have gotten through it trusting whatever your mother, father, or grandparents told you. They were not obligated to explain everything to you. Don't do this. Don't run out in the street. Don't do this. And, and you might have been thinking, well, why? Well, okay. At some point, you got a little older and you began to question it. And then the older we get, we think we have all the control in our lives as adults and we've got it all and as long as everybody understands what we're saying, then we're good. We, don't, we, we need to control all things, but I want you to put yourself in the perspective of that five-year-old child who doesn't understand everything, but trust the one who tells him because God is telling you that you are a child of his and he does not have to explain it all. You just have to trust him and be content in that. That's where peace comes. Peace is not in a position of being at all in control, peace is when you know someone has control and you're not responsible for it. What does it say in the, in the scriptures? The peace of God, not your peace, but God's peace comes to you, surpassing all of your understanding. And what does that peace do? It guards your heart, the heart that fears. And it guards your mind in Christ Jesus. It protects your mind from thinking the things you ought not think. Proper Christian meditation is thinking about his truths, his promises, his word over and over and over again. When the world is saying one thing, when the, the, when the experience is, is shouting something out you, and you go, I don't understand this in the context of God's word, you cling to God's word and you repeat that to yourself over and over and over again. When Satan tries to throw things at you, to, to, to disrupt you, to, to distract you, and you go, well, I don't know, maybe I'm not worth God's blessing. Maybe, maybe nothing of this will take place. I, I, I say to myself, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Satan may throw some stuff at me, but God has had me protected and gives me peace in this. When I think, I don't know what's going to happen five years from now. I don't have to know. Am I content in his presence today? Am I heading in the direction he's called me to? And am I trusting that he will protect my heart and protect my mind? That he will guard me and guide me and all I need is his light to shine for this next step. That's all I need to have. 
That's why you memorize scripture because when you, when you quote scripture back to yourself, it's God speaking to you very clearly what he has said. The spirit of God illuminates for you uh, these truths and he applies it in ways that perhaps you've never experienced. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he follows that thought up right here, talking about peace of God. He says, finally, brothers, this is what you ought to think about. Whatever is true, not what the world says, not what you're experiencing or feeling right now, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, think about these things. The news sells negative stories. Reality TV is always on the, 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 the edge of, of morality, or they've already actually gone over. And, and, and people flock to negative, they flock to, to immoral activity, and, and Paul says, run away from that. Guard your heart and mind in the peace of Christ as you don't have to understand everything in the world, you just have to trust him and think about the things that are right, pure, true. This is what give you, it will give you the peace that you need. Peace of God guards your heart and your mind. The peace of God guides uh, your actions with others. As we were looking just several weeks ago at Romans chapter 12, let me remind you once again of these precious verses. In verse 16 of Romans 12, it says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, or, uh, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Did you hear that? If we seek God for his peace then we have the capacity and the ability to be at peace with other people. This is where I think we struggle the most. Sometimes we get right with God and we're, we're, we're talking with, we understand him, and then somebody comes and, 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 and does something wrong to us or, or we feel like we've been offended at all and we go, hmm, and see there either we will A, seek revenge or B, we'll avoid them or C, we pray that God would just destroy them or, or cause some bad things in their life or something. We kind of laugh at that. Actually, David did that several times. <laughs> you have to read your scripture to see how that works. But, so what is Paul saying here in the New Testament? As, as people, you, you, you think everything's going well, you're doing peacefully and all, and even in your own home or, or in your workplace or, or place you go, you find that people are coming at you, whether you're guilty of something or not. They just seem to attack. And so what is Satan trying to do? Get you off the game of peace that you've had. You, you think you're right with God. Well, let me just throw some stuff at you. See how peaceful you are. See if you truly find peace with God and the peace of God in your life. Well, if you know God, you can know peace even in those challenges of disruption and disagreement with other people. It's hard. I struggle here at times. What does God say? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, how do you find peace in that? You feed them. If he is thirsty, how do you find peace with, a, with an enemy? You give them something to drink. 
For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. As I mentioned to you several weeks ago, what does that mean? It doesn't mean you burn their brains out. It means that, that they come to the con- conviction that, wow, no matter what they throw at you to get you off your peacefulness, you still follow through with peace with them serving them in such a way that they feel shame as the Egyptians did, that they would put this bowl of their head that had coals that would show that, that all of the guilt and the, and the hatred was coming out of them because of the love that was coming to them. If you know God, you can know peace. And if you know God and you have his peace, you can give that peace that it will flow out of you. It may be a challenge but that just means you need to dig deeper into your relationship with Jesus and more into God's word to get that peace. It's not a peace from you. It's a peace for you from God who loves you and brought Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, to you. Let me read this once again from Luke chapter two. I want you to consider these these shepherds who were probably on the same level as lepers in the community. As lepers would be somewhere, they had to live outside of the the city. If you were to ever come across a leper, they would have to shout, unclean, unclean, and stay away. Kind of like people with no mask on at Lowe's. (laughs) Unclean, I don't have a mask on, stay away. Shepherds were the lowly ones, and it's fascinating to me. I mean, we always have on our nativity scenes, you got the shepherds and you got the, the, the wise men. The wise men didn't show up much later. It was the shepherds, the lowliest of society that was invited to the peace because their peace was not in the community. Their peace wasn't even what they were doing as shepherds. Their peace had to be something from beyond and God brought the message of peace to them first. And they walked in and as you can imagine, seeing that that Christ child there and they bowed down to that child. When the angels went away from them into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And I'm sure there was like, he told us. In verse 16, and they they went with with haste and found Mary and, and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And I'll just add the word peace there. It was a peaceful baby sitting there lying in the manger in verse 17 of Luke 2. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And what was that saying? Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. In verse 18, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As they were brought into the awareness that peace had come, they went and experienced it, saw for themselves, and they left as peaceful shepherds, and they proclaimed the peace to everyone they came into contact with. It was a different message. They weren't walking by saying, we're smelly shepherds anymore. They were proclaiming the goodness and the peace of God, that peace had come. The question this morning, I wonder among anybody who's watching or somebody who's here in the room, it's not do you need God's peace around you? Uh, My biggest question is do you have the peace of God in you? Are you still at war 
with the creator of the universe, fighting for your own rights and your own ways when you're finding you're just hitting your head on a brick wall. Where God is busted through, through Jesus Christ, and he is offering peace with God. No longer the wrath of God or the punishment of God would be upon you, that it would be removed because Jesus took the punishment for himself. He would forgive you of all of your sin and draw you near into a relationship, filling you with the Holy Spirit, cleansing you, and then giving you a peace that passes all understanding so you may live through this life as a person of peace. Today, either you need the peace with God or you need the peace of God. And I never move beyond the peace of God. I need that every day. I, I seek for it. When I get off uh, track, I'm thankful the, the, the Spirit of God reminds me, you're, you're not finding peace right now because you're not seeking the Father. And so come close. Where is it that you are today? Do you need the peace with God or do you need the peace of God? We're going to have the Lord's Supper in just a few moments, and I hope that you picked up your cup. The cup is a little different today. I'll explain that in a moment. But every time we take this, it is a reminder of peace, that Christ came as the Prince of Peace to give peace with God. I want us to, um, I'll pray, and then uh, our, our worship team will come up. But during this time of, of the song that we're about to sing, would you just use it for a few moments for yourself to, to talk with God just about having peace with Him or the peace of Him? And then we'll, we'll, we'll uh, receive the, the Lord's table. Father, I'm thankful for today that you've given us uh, the presentation in the Scriptures about peace and where peace comes from. So many think a lack of war is peace, and that is not true. Anytime we're at, uh, at, at, at differences with you, anytime that we desire our own, we're, we're really against what you're about. But Father, I pray today that if someone has never uh, had a peace with you, that they, today would be the day that you just want to receive you, to trust you, to say, yes, I don't need to fight against God's plans anymore. I just need to surrender, and I'll be fully forgiven. And likewise, for a believer who, who may be having some disruptions in their life, maybe it's not going as planned, and, and they just don't have any controls anymore and just don't know what to do. Maybe they're a, a struggling parent, or, or perhaps they're, they're struggling in their marriage, or, or perhaps they're older and they're struggling with a health issue right now, and they just don't have peace. The doctors have said, we don't know what to do with you anymore. I pray that your spirit would work so mightily in them to give them a, 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 a true peace of their soul, that they would function out of that relationship with you versus just responding to the circumstance they find themselves in. Give them an inner peace that passes all understanding.